Well, hey there, good people. Welcome to the Kim Constable podcast. Nobody cares. Work harder. Actually, here's a really interesting fact for you. I have just been, well, I haven't actually yet been, but I'm about to be featured in the one and only Forbes magazine. And the reason why I am saying that now is because the, uh, the what they put on the front page was nobody cares. Work harder. So I've got a full feature in Forbes coming out um, in April 2021, which I'm really excited about because to get like a full full on feature in Forbes and that's a lot of F's in one sentence is uh, pretty spectacular. So um, I love my nobody cares work harder. I want to have it on my gravestone. So it just reminded me you can look out for that Forbes article. I will definitely post it online as well if you guys follow me on Instagram. But before we, uh, no, not even before we, just not talking about me anymore. I'm going to tell you about today's guest uh, who is the incredible Alex Charfin. Now I met Alex um, online on Instagram many years ago before I even had a business whenever I was just a lowly homeschooling mama for yoga teacher and he is a radical unschooler like me and we were introduced by a mutual friend Margot um, and we had a bit of a, a chat online and it was all wonderful and I have followed Alex online for many years afterwards, always been interested in what he did. And then recently, we connected again through a mutual friend, Leila Hermosi, who I had on the podcast, and her husband, Alex, um, pretty recently. And Leila and I have become best bosom buddies. I absolutely adore her. And she is a friend of Alex, and everything just comes full circle. So Alex and I connected again, and then I was like, you know what? I kind of want to have this guy on the podcast, because not only is he a radical unschooler, not only is he insanely good looking, if I do say so myself. But he is, you know, he has built a multi, several multi-million dollar companies. He's widely successful, but he is quite simply one of the most extraordinary human beings I have ever had the pleasure of meeting. He is incredibly empathetic. He knows himself inside and out. He builds massive teams and helps other companies to do the same. He is a husband. He is, I was going to say he's a wife. He's not. He has a wife. He is a husband. He is a father. And he's just an all-round good guy. And so I asked Alex to be on the podcast and he agreed. And let me tell you, Alex does not agree to be on anyone's podcast anymore because he's just too goddamn busy. So I seem to be getting these really amazing guests recently and I'm highly privileged to have them on here. And I cannot wait for you to hear this interview with Alex. It was just spectacular. We talked for a full 60 minutes. And honestly, when I looked at the clock and I realized we only had 11 minutes to go and Alex had another another meeting to go to. I was like, shit, 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 quick, let's finish. But I just know that you are going to absolutely love Alex. Um, he talks very candidly about his childhood, but he talks some real amazing business strategies. Not only business strategies, but life strategies. We talk about men and women and the difference. We talk about what's lacking in women and what they need to be successful and why they're not. Alex discusses, you know, his business and what he does, um, which isn't a great big sales pitch, by the way. It really is truly amazing to listen to why he does what he does and some advice that he gives for free on this podcast about how you can be better and have more in your life, which I know many of the listeners of this podcast are really striving towards at the minute. So, um, you know, I love to bring you the goodies whenever I can. And let me tell you, this is a goodie. You ain't going to want to miss this one. So um, I'm going to let you listen to the interview with Alex and I am going to chat to you again at the end. But before I go, don't forget that if you want to win one of the Sculpted Vegan programs, simply leave a review on this podcast wherever you listen to it. Take a screenshot of the review, send it to me on Instagram, and you will be entered into the draw to win one of our Sculpted Vegan programs. We have just announced March's winner for 
April 2021 and we will be announcing April's winner at the start of May. Don't know when you're listening to this, but this is now April 2021 and you could be in with the chance of winning. So I'm going to let you um, listen to the interview with Alex and I will chat to you again at the end. Alex Charfin, this is such an honor for me because I have, I think, I think I've chased you for many, many months now. Chase is probably the wrong word, but kind of, you know, sought you out to be a guest on this podcast. So I'm so delighted that you're here today. Kim, I'm so excited to be here. This is, uh, this is something I've been looking forward to. Now, you probably don't know how we first came across each other. And now you're like, Kim, we've just talked for five minutes and you're going to drop this bomb on me, but I've kind of been <laughs> waiting for this one. But you probably don't know how we first came across each other. But, uh, or you may remember years ago, a mutual friend of ours, Margaret Corey, Margaret and um, oh, Joshua uh, Corey introduced us on Instagram. And we actually had a bit of a chat back and forth. This is whenever I was just a lowly yoga teacher, <laughs> no, uh, a stay-at-home mom of four with... Uh, I- it was through the unschooling they introduced us. I totally na- I, there's there's been a reason why your name feels so familiar, and That's I have why. not been able to place it. And it's because Margot. I now I, I actually think I might remember that introduction. There was only two or three people she introduced me to. That's super interesting. Yeah, oh, and why, why we were? Sorry, say again. I said, I'm glad we have a history. I know we do. And I, and, uh, and I was like, whenever I knew you were coming on, I thought I'm dying to talk to you for many reasons, because not only are you, you know, a highly successful entrepreneur, you are a father, a husband, you're incredibly self-aware, which I love, but you are also like me, an unschooler. And I love having unschoolers on, uh, on the podcast. Are you still unschooling your kids? Is that something you're still doing? Actually, you know what? We changed this year, Kim, but it was a very specific situation that got us to change. And we feel like we we just got so fortunate here in Austin. So our 11-year-old and our 14-year-old, and at the time they were 10 and 13, um, on one of like the summer breaks that we had from unschooling and homeschooling, both started talking about wanting more social interaction and wanting more organization. And um, what we were doing was we were doing a combination of kind of letting them do their own thing and then having a series of courses that they could take online. Mm-hmm. And they, they sat down on their own and then came to Katie and I and said, hey, we want to find one school where we can log into everything and do everything in the same place and make it easier because we had them logging into different groups and different courses and different interests. And so we didn't think it was going to work. And we started looking for schools here in Austin and really talking to them about, you know, let's go look at this school. And we looked at a few. They weren't into them. We weren't into them. And then we found this incredibly unique school that is run by this off the charts, visionary woman. She's amazing. And it's a school that's run like a liberal arts college, but for kids. And so it's run in a home and the kids each semester vote on classes that are going to be available. They get to choose their schedules so that they set up Monday, Wednesday, and Friday as one schedule, Tuesday, Thursday as another. And they teach most of their classes outside. So all the liberal arts classes and the stuff is taught outside. So they're sitting on picnic tables. They spend most of the day outside. They can get up and walk around if they feel like they need to. Mm -hmm. And there's no grades or judgment in the school. There's just progress. So it's just the indication of progress and where things could be better. And they are thriving. It's that Kennedy, especially my 11-year-old, I knew that we had found something that was pretty magical when in the second week of going to school, they had a day off and she got up and was really excited to go to school and realized she couldn't go. And she started crying. She's like, oh, I wanted to go to school so bad today. And I'm like, man, when your kid's crying to go to school, you know, you found a really good solution. So in Austin, the school they go to is kind of known as a homeschool, unschool transition school. Like if kids want to start getting more social interaction. So it's been amazing. My 11 year old 
has not only like joined the school, but she's kind of like, she's very social. And so she just worked with the principal and one of the other teachers to have a dance. And so next week they're having a school dance that my daughter inspired and has been involved in like setting all up. And so every day we get dance updates. It's kind of funny. That is just amazing. I wish such a thing existed here because people always say to me, you know, oh, Kim, you're so anti-school and I know you're against school. And I'm like, no, no, understand. I'm not against school. I'm not against, you know, the principle of having a place of learning or education. I'm against the way most schools are run, the forced education, the grading, the the, the learning that failure is bad. Everything that I teach in my company and I, I, I stand for, you know, failure is data, failure is how we learn, it's how we grow. It's I feel that a lot of traditional schools go against that. But also for me, I think the reason we just jumped straight in here and out of the philosophy of it, but I think for me, whenever, before children are, are reach cognition, before they reach, you know, the age of 11, 12, 13, 14, whenever their brains start to be able to process the world and make sense of it, that's what I was hyper about protecting in my young children, their early cognitive years, their formative years. Once they reach cognition and they start being able to make sense in the world, I actually think it's good to send them out into the world, especially whenever they show an interest in it and they want to do it. I think, you know, the worst thing that we could ever do would be to hold our children back from what they want because it's our job as parents to provide them with the, the best education and the best opportunities that we absolutely can, which is harder as an unschooler sometimes. You know, it's it's like really? your, your child's learning facilitator. You know, you're there to facilitate their learning and give them whatever they need. So I think it's fantastic that you find that option for your kids. Did you find it hard or were you like, yeah, whatever you want, guys, it's totally okay? Or were you like... You know, it was hard until we toured the campus. Right. And then we toured the campus and... um Gosh, Kim, there was this moment where I got really emotional. Um, we were we were touring the campus, and the principal and the the kind of I think he's the director of the school, Dave. Um, we're saying we're talking about the school, and Ariel, the director of the school or the the founder of the school, said something like, "You know." Um, what we really have here is a lot of adults who were traumatized as children reparenting themselves through creating a different situation for the the kids who come here and working through their trauma and then making and, and not causing more by like knowing what it really feels like to be in a school environment. And about maybe a minute after she said that we were leaving the school and I saw or leaving the, the school building and I saw this, this frame on the wall with like weird writing in it. And so I just paused for a minute and read it and I'm paraphrasing. I can't really remember exactly what it said, but it was from a kid who was graduating and it was a letter to the school saying, um, I didn't know that a place ex like this existed that would show me that I wasn't dumb and I wasn't worthless and I could do things in the world. And I want this place to be there for anybody like me. And that was a kid leaving at like 17 or 18 years old. And, you know, I, I, I think of the, current model of education and how shame-based and how judgment-based and how um, score-based it is. And we turn these little human beings into, you know, in the, in the United States, there's actually a stated goal of standardization. It's standardized education, standardized testing. We're going to make everybody the same. And to be able to see that note that was clearly in handwriting that probably wasn't like at a 17-year-old level. And, you know, I was that same kid. Uh, my handwriting I think when I was about 25 or something, my handwriting started to look like an adult handwriting. And now it's now I, I've figured out a way to make it look like I, I actually, you know, have an intellect and I can write in handwriting. But that note, like, re I related so deeply to it. And um, 
So it wasn't hard after that moment, not at all. What was your childhood like, Alex? I was going to say, because that obviously made you emotional. Like, does that remind you of something that you had going on for you? Oh, Kim, I was, I was the, the weird kid. I was the kid that, that I was the weird kid and I was a kid with self-awareness and being the weird kid with self-awareness is like a brutal dichotomy of, um, being judged and understanding it and being made fun of and understanding it and hearing adults say things like, Oh, look, there's Kim and Jennifer and Alex and knowing that that was judgment against me, not knowing why, but understanding that it was judgment against me. So as a child, I felt like I was constantly scapegoated and abandoned by the adults around me. And I was always that kid who, who was getting in trouble. Like I, I spent most of second grade in the hallway. Um, third grade, I had a pretty good teacher. Fourth grade, I was back in the hallway and in the principal's office. And, you know, I was, it was like, I, <laughs> I started school and in second grade, I was put in um, special education, which is for children who are developmentally challenged or have um, issues with some, some type of learning disability. And at the end of that year, they did standardized testing in California. And they realized that at third grade, I was testing at seventh and eighth grade. So I went from the class with the kids who were challenged to gifted and talented education. That was, that was a transition. Then I was in that gifted and talented education for a couple of years. And then they put me back in normal school. And then, then I did really well in normal school because I didn't like gifted and talented. And then they switched me back to gifted and talented for junior high. So by the end of school, I, I was... I was so confused and so beat up and so distrustful of the system that it just, it was, it was, yeah, it was, I feel like I've spent most of my adult life undoing what happened in school. I can imagine, you know, it sounds so similar to me. I was exactly the same. I never felt like I really fitted in anywhere. I never, I was everyone's friend, but no one's best friend. I was into drugs and alcohol and all kinds of crazy shit and getting arrested when I was a teenager. I just didn't know where I belonged. And I, and your story really resonates with me. And I think that it's probably why we do what we do and we protect our children's, our childhoods, you know, so much, but Alex, you have, you have built like several bit. you have built businesses and gone bankrupt and then built more businesses back even even more successfully you know how what to what do you attribute your success we'll talk a little bit more about your business in a minute and what it does but what do you what would you attribute to it mostly you know um I think there's a lot of like esoteric and theoretical answers I can give you. But if, if, if like, if the question's tactical, I would say that from a very young age, I started understanding that if I wanted to get a consistent result in any way, or even the result that I named that I had to have either a process or a structure or a routine in place to make that happen. When I was, uh, when I was right around Kennedy's age, 11 or 12 years old and transitioning to junior high school here in the U S I went from being driven to school in a bus to having to get there by myself. So at 11, I had a morning routine that was written out. Um, and so I still have a morning routine today. And so I started learning at a very young age that if I wanted something to work, there had to be a structure, there had to be a process. And so when I look at the business success that I've had, I use consistent frameworks, consistent processes so that I remove emotional decision-making from a business and I allow the process and the structure to create the success in the business. And even further than that, when you look at how most businesses are run, if you think of a traditional org chart, there is top-down pressure. And um, as an entrepreneur, 
the application of top-down pressure is incredibly exhausting for me. I don't like top-down pressure. I know what it does psychically to the people around me. I know how it detunes their intellect. It detunes who they are. Oftentimes when we put pressure from the top, what we really do is diminish what we're getting from the people who we work with. Mm -hmm. And I would say that, that one of the biggest um, catalysts for me to be successful is recognizing that on a team, when you create the right process and the right structure, you create lateral pressure. And that means that the people show up every day to perform because they want to perform for the people around them because there's an integrity to the team. I would go as far as to say there's an intimacy to the team. Mm-hmm. You want to create intimacy in this world. It creates, it, it takes trust, consistency, and communication. And with the right process, you can create trust consistency and communication. And so on the teams that I run, rarely is there top-down pressure. It's almost exclusively lateral pressure, which makes people develop and evolve and work together and help each other. And it doesn't make them, it allows the space for them to do that. And so as a CEO, especially today, I feel like I set up the equation and then I step back and energy energetically support that equation. But I don't have to be the person who's doing everything and who's driving everything and who's trying to keep all the trains running on time. Because when we do that as entrepreneurs, I think we step out of our visionary power and we step down into the details. And that's where, you know, that's where every perpetrator is a visionary who's misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And in businesses I have, in, in businesses I owned, especially in my 20s, <laughs> I was like perpetrator to everyone in the business, just so aggressive and such, such top-down pressure because that's the only way I thought it could be run. And when I started discovering that with the right structure, it didn't have to be that way, it made it so that I could energetically show up to a business in a way that was evolutionary for me, but also allowed evolution and development of everyone in the team. But you know what, Alex, I'm going to go a step deeper and I'm going to say, yes, I think I, I think well, that's wonderful. I think that tokenization is it's part of how I do what I do in terms of being a professional bodybuilder, a businesswoman. But you have or you seem to have an incredible uh, capacity for empathy that is rare. And I'm going to throw it out here and be gender specific and say that is more rare, rarer, more rare. Um amongst men. Women generally are the more empathetic of, you know, the two sexes. And, but even to be able to see that teams run better that way, that's exactly how I run my team as well. I detest top-down pressure. Whenever I have felt that way myself in a company or in a business, it's made me perform less well. And it's made me feel more constricted. And you, and I'm the kind of person who will give my best whenever, whenever I take on a job, I will give my absolute all to that project. Cause that's just naturally who I am. So whenever I feel this pressure, I'm just like, just let me do my best work. Like stop, you know, I'm doing the best I can kind of thing. But which is why I do my company the way I do it. But you, but most men don't operate that way. Most men don't even see that that is possibly a better way to, to be, how did you come to be that way? Did you have a parent who was terribly self-aware or empathetic, or did you just learn as you grew up and had kids? Do you even know? Um, I had a really unique childhood, Kim. So, uh, I was born in Mexico city and raised by really my mom. My father worked a ton. And so my dad was, was sporadically present as I was growing up, but um, from about the age of five years old, when we moved to the United States, my mom was very active in a group called La Leche League. And yep. that's Spanish for like the milk league. But yeah, what we it have really, it here. Yeah, it's a breastfeeding group. Mm-hmm. And in the early 1970s, my mom was one of the like 
um, people who really drove the growth of La Leche League in Southern California when we moved there. And so my young childhood, I spent um, probably three times a week in women's support groups, support groups. So I sat in a room and had this incredible experience, which I remember glimpses of, but you know, when I'm meditating or when I'm really present, I remember a lot more and, and it influenced me like crazy because I saw this dichotomy in the world. You know, when I, when I grew up in the seventies and eighties, women were playboy bunnies. Women were standing next to food to make you eat it because they were in a bikini or something. Women were hanging at the wall at the gas station Mm -hmm. and women were completely objectified by the world around me, including my father. Mm -hmm. And then I would go into these rooms and I would see that women are intensely strong. And if, I mean, an individual woman is strong, but put 20 of them in a room together where they're mutually supporting each other. And the energy goes outside of the boundaries of any room that you're in. You can feel it. It's palpable. And so as a, as a kid, my, my, I think one of the greatest influence that influences I had was going to these meetings and watch women support each other and answer questions for each other. And then also at home, listening to my mom, take phone calls from people who had issues and hearing her counsel and coach and support. And so I think unlike a lot of men, I had an inside view of what, of how women really are. And as a result, (laughs) this is really funny. I've never shared this before, but a few years ago, Katie and I were working both um, individually and collectively together with a shaman and Katie was having a, a session with her and it was about her mom and Katie and her mom are kind of estranged. They don't have a, a great relationship. They're, 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 there's a lot of stuff that happened when Katie was a kid that is still being processed. And the shaman told Katie, you know, one of the reasons that you didn't get the nurturing you needed when you were a child is that your mom did not have an open energetic womb space. And then she said, but it ha- so happens that your husband does. And that Alex, (laughs) part of the reason you were really attracted to Alex is because he does have an energetically activated womb space. And so Katie got off that call and came and told me, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? What am I transgender? I have a womb. I don't understand. I didn't, I was not, it wasn't an exciting thing for me because you know, in, in, in the short term, what it did, like when I first heard it, it took me right back to school where I was called, like, I, I, I was often referred to as being gay. And like that, that was like the big knock on me. Cause I was a very sensitive kid. You were and, in touch with your emotions. You, you understood yeah. people on a level that most young boys your age just did not because of what you experienced with your mom. Yeah. And so as a result, the reflection from most of the boys around me was that I was the outlier and that I was also like, had to be gay or had to be something that was way different than they were. And, um, Oh God, I lost my train of thought. So you're talking so about I, the shaman with the energetic okay. wound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so so I right talk, back there. Yeah. So I talked to her about it and she, and I said, so, you know, so you, I, I know you talked to Katie about this womb space thing. So is that like normal? And she's like, oh yeah, it's totally normal. There's a lot of men who have that. And I'm like, okay, good. So you've worked <laughs> with entrepreneurs like me who have open womb space. And she's like, no, I haven't worked with one. I'm like, oh, but you know, people who have, she's like, no, I worked at, I reached out to a couple of other shamans. They haven't either, but we all know it exists. And I'm like, oh, okay, great. So like, yet again, here's this thing that makes me like individually unique. <laughs> and, and so um, I've now, I've now come to understand just how, just how, what a gift that is. Because when you look at um, the womb, my, my, I've, 
I coach with Kylie Ryan and Kylie calls the womb a stargate. It's like you go from unconscious to conscious through the womb. It literally is a gate to this reality. And when you look at what, what womb energy does, it's attraction, it's, um, it's, com it's compassion, it's empathy, it's all of that divine feminine, all those divine feminine qualities that really are, are, are rare in today's world, unfortunately, in men and women. A lot of, a lot of women have had those qualities beaten out of them yeah. through, through education, through work, through, through relationships. And, and a lot of men don't recognize those as valuable qualities. And so when, when I consider just how fortunate I am, you know, now that I understand it, I no longer am like, wait a second, let's make sure this isn't weird. Um, I think that it, like, it's just extraordinary. It's such uh -huh. a gift. It really is such a gift. It's your superpower. And I have a sideways question for you on it. Have you ever considered, and you probably have, I, I would imagine you have thought of this, but um, are you good at marketing? Like personally, can you like see opportunities and you're good at, at, yeah. at marketing? You see, I am too. I have, I have a very similar thing to you. And I, and people always say to me, like, how do you know? How do you know that that, how, how did you see that? How did you, you know, we launch a program, we make half a million dollars. It's a $97 program. And people are like, hi. And I'm like, I just see what people need. I see what they want. I don't sell them what they need. I, I give them what they want, you know, and then they get like kick-ass program on the side. But, and I, do you find that it helps you? Do, can you find that you can really try people on and that helps you in your business? Oh, without question. I think, not just in business, but in speaking and in the content that we put out and in our podcast and everything else. You know, I think that, well, you know this, Kim, like, I, I think it doesn't matter what you're saying as much as how you're saying it and the energy behind it, especially in today's world mm -hmm. for the people that I attract. I think when you look at the influencer space, there's a lot of people who have a tremendous amount of influence but not a tremendous amount of energy behind it. And it's kind of hollow. And I, there is a lot of that. And I think it's just, just a, a factor of kind of the, the, the world that we live in. But I think also, you know, if you are communicating in a way that what is behind it is energetically identical to what you're communicating and there isn't manipulation or over persuasion or any of those things, right. you just become naturally magnetic. Yeah. I actually call it, um, being fully integrated. So what, one of the things I like to teach is, you know, people always say to me, um, oh, Kim, you're, you know, um, I love you because, you know, you're so authentic. Like the biggest, the and I always find this really weird because it, it doesn't make sense to me, but the biggest compliment I get or, or I guess comment um, review that's left on this podcast is, love Kim, no BS attitude, tells it like it is, says what she means, means what she says. It is by far, if you went through the thousands of reviews on this podcast and looked at them, I would say 90% of them will say that somewhere in the review. And this is always really confusing to me because I'm like, but I'm just me. But I think that what happens is when your behavior matches your beliefs, you are integrated. And so therefore, so my, what I believe to be true is how I act and how I act is what I believe to be true. So wherever I go, there I am. I am the same way on Instagram as I am the same way on this podcast, as I am the same way in my groups when I teach, as I am the same way in my business and, and my writing. It doesn't change based, I don't change based on who I'm talking to. I'm just me. And I think that that comes through in your marketing and in everything that you do. And so then people, I always like, I love the quote. Um, I read it, I think it was in a book by Brad Blanton, Radical Honesty. And he said, people may not agree what you have to say, but they will respect the fact that you're not afraid to say it. So they may yeah. say, well, I don't agree with Kim Constable, but you know what? She's definitely not a liar because I know that, you know, I, I can trust her. I can trust that her message is true because they know you're not lying because you're authentic. But what I would love to um, go sideways again into is, 
your business. So before we spoke, you were saying that in your consultancy, you have like 55% women, 45% men in your mastermind. Tell us a little bit more about your mastermind and, and what it is, because that's an interesting split. Normally it's very heavily weighted in one direction, but yours seems to be, which now I understand why it is. Um, and yeah. you obviously can, can appeal to both sexes. You can be the male Alex and you can be the female Alex, <laughs> yeah, exactly. which is like your superpower. So tell us a bit more about your mastermind, what it is that you do currently. So um, when you look at the world of business right now, Kim, I think the mass, the major deficit in business is that businesses are run by visionaries and visionaries don't have the systems to take the vision that they see and make it real. Yeah. And so as a result, what happens in most businesses is, and, and actually, unfortunately, and, and so terribly for the entrepreneurs who get into these loops, what a lot of people train is create this incredibly vivid vision and then tell your team to pursue it. And when you look at that, that, that equation, here's what happens for entrepreneurs is that visionaries will create an incredibly vivid, massive, huge vision that is world-changing and game-changing and then tell their team to pursue it. But in between the vision and the day-to-day, -day, there's nothing. And so what happens is entrepreneurs are constantly disappointed, constantly frustrating. They're the frustrated. They're the biggest bottleneck in their business as a visionary, then find themselves going from visionary thinking down to detailed thinking back to visionary thinking. Um, they find themselves getting interrupted all the time. People in the, and we hear dialogue like, my team won't take initiative. My team doesn't work hard enough. Things aren't happening fast enough. Um, people are holding back and I can feel it. And so what we show visionaries how to do is to take that massive vision that they have and create a structure through which they create a strategic plan that creates a bridge down to the day-to-day -day so that when they know every person in the business, what they're working on every day is getting to that, that outcome. Mm -hmm. And then we take it one step further by showing visionaries how to create a strategic plan and then giving them a system to, to communicate that plan to their team and then a system to consistently build the infrastructure of the company, we show entrepreneurs how to step out of the driver role. And we have a concept we called running your business from the passenger seat. And see, you can sit in the passenger seat of any vehicle and guide everything but you don't have to hit the gas or touch the keys or do anything else. You can just be there guiding. And so we show entrepreneurs how to step into that role where they are exclusively the visionary and then what they want to do in the business. We give them a very clear role in that business. And then we set up a structure where the business and the infrastructure grows through the right frameworks and systems. And that allows visionaries to explode. And we have some crazy stories. Like you mentioned one earlier about Alex and Layla. Um, you know, we, I started working with Alex and Layla Hormozzi when they were right at, uh, I think around under $2 million and three people on their team, but they had an extraordinary system, an incredible product. And so we started working together and I, I worked, uh, um, I worked a lot with Alex, but I would say probably waited 70, 30 working with Layla and she was the operator of the business. And in about an 18 month period, they were able to go from around 2 million a year to about 35 million a year. Wow. And and from three people to over a hundred people. And the way they did that was a hundred percent using our processes and systems. And Kim, I think that the reason that we have a more heavily weighted um, 
more, more women who run companies in our mastermind is that when you look at divine masculine, divine feminine, and you look at the powers behind those two energies, you know, the masculine energy is one of order and structure and routine. And, you know, like, how are we going to penetrate and break through this and crash through this and make things happen, but through order, process, structure, and routine, and sometimes aggression, but that's not divine. That's on the wrong side. (laughs) And then in the feminine, it's about creativity and spontaneity and intuition and, and really very visionary activities. And so when you take our structure, which is a very masculine weighted structure, it creates this, this divine masculine backbone to the company so that every person in that organization can step into both their masculine and feminine. Because the, the, that backbone, that structure, that process takes care of the order and the structure and the pro- not a human being doing that. Mm-hmm. And so we often see the visionaries in our organizations just explode once that structure is in place. Like a good example is Rachel, Rachel Rogers. She's an extraordinary entrepreneur. We started working with her. She has a, an information products company called Hello7. And I think she was around a million dollars a year when we started working together. And in the year that we worked together, she got it up to six and she had a million dollar month. And a lot of that was, if you watch Rachel, there was this, this hardcore structure in the background and it allowed her to step into who she really was. Like she actually created the success in her business through social justice. Like she went out and started talking in a, she always has, but in a very clear way about who she is and how she feels and what her beliefs are. And there was this structure in the business to catch the energy she created. And so I think that's a big part of the reason why we have more women in the membership a lot of the time than men. And while both do, both are very successful, like it, it, you know, there's no exclusivity here, but I think that intuitively um, a lot of the women who join our program know that they want help with that system, that structure. Like, how do I, how do I make it so that I'm not the structure because it's so counterintuitive and really counter to most women's energy. Yeah, it's really it, most yeah. visionary men as well. I love that. You see, I, one of my favorite stories, which doesn't go down very well in America, I have to say, but one of my favorite stories is, um, about how the reason why do you know the only reason? It's not a story. It's a very bad joke. But it's like, do you know the only reason why terrorist organizations exist? Why? You heard this one? Because they're run by men. <laughs> terrorist organizations were dependent on women to actually show up and do hard shit consistently, it would fizzle out. They would be all at the first meeting with all razzmatazz. And then the next one, they would be like, oh, I couldn't come today because I had to wash my hair. Oh, I couldn't get a babysitter. It would get less and less and less and less and less. Because women, I love my, my women folk, don't get me wrong, but I run a goddamn bodybuilding company. And the reason why most women are walking around fat and unhappy is because they have no discipline or consistency. They can't fucking show up and just do the work. They'd constantly let themselves off the hook. So I, I, I'm taking from what you're saying that it kind of supports my mission in the world, which is stop letting yourself off the hook. You know, women are so, we have such empathy. We have such power. We have such, you know, um, a, a, a complex understanding of systems. I think just naturally we're much more system thinkers. Men are much more linear. Women, I believe, are much more systems thinkers. But if they could just have a structure, which sounds like it is what you provide, they could just have a structure with which they could fit their, you know, fit into the framework and let that structure run 
then they would, it's, it's kind of the missing piece for women a lot of times. Now for men, I believe if we go to the other side, the missing piece is the empathy piece, which I believe you have. A lot of men miss the, they don't really see the person, the relationships, the interplay of the relationships and be able to, to see that. So if men learned more empathy, then they would be able to, you know, to probably be more successful in themselves. I think we could learn a lot from each other, but I loved what you said about creating the structure, because I think that that is what is missing in a lot of female owned businesses. And actually I'm going to put you into, I'm I'm definitely going to promote this heavily into, we started a a million dollar mentor group last year. I decided I was going to run a business program because it wasn't busy enough. And um, I thought we were going to launch a huge business program this year. In the end, we didn't, but I, I, I was like, let's run a Facebook group and figure out what everybody wants while I create the program. So we opened a Facebook group. Uh, we, we charged $1,000 for it for six months mentorship. I would go live twice a week, answer questions, do Q&As, masterclasses. We made half a million dollars in two weeks. It was something people really wanted. But then I got to the end of six months. I was like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't have time. So I left them all hanging, but now they're all looking for resources, actually. And one of the biggest questions is people are looking for people to um, to mentor them. And they're saying, Kim, who would you recommend? And who can, you know, who can I go to for this kind of this growth advice is your program. Now I feel like I'm doing a real sales pitch and I didn't mean to, but you're like, God, Kim, uh, <laughs> is your program open to anybody, Alex? Is it a, like a, is it a, is it a program people can purchase online? Is it a, like, tell us a little bit more about how people can, can get involved if they are interested. So we have our entry level product. What well, actually can we, for one second, can I just cover something that I, that you said? Yeah. You can go to my, so Here's what's interesting. You said that in a business, um, if, if men had more empathy, that they would do better. So our system also does that. Ooh. So check out. Yeah. Let me share with you how we actually, how I have a very, I have the highest level mastermind in our organization is for the members who are over $3 million a year. And they have a certain growth rate. They have a certain number of people. Um, there's qualifications. And that's who I spend time with. Like one-on-one, that's the only group I spend time with. And every time we get together quarterly, there are always um, a lot of emotions in the room, both from the men and the women. And um, I would say sometimes it's more from the men because when there is a consistent container of process, structure, and routine, and when you create consistency in a business, here's what happens. Consistency creates trust. Mm -hmm. Trust creates intimacy. Intimacy creates a greater level of communication. And if there is a clear structure where a leader is getting clear communication back from people and they can see this was the input, this was the result. And they can see, wow, when I showed up to this meeting and yelled at everybody, nobody got their weekly work done. And when I showed up to this meeting and I was like triggered by one person, everyone in that meeting had a hard day. Mm -hmm. And so the structure actually clarifies what's going on to the point where I would say every CEO we work with immediately starts feeling more empathy, more compassion, um, and slows down to the point where they start actually valuing the relationships in the business. Otherwise, it doesn't work because our process and our structure is so clear that if a CEO acts incongruently, everyone in the business. Yeah, so they see their effect in the world. I think they can't deny their effect. It's like you see the failure. You you it's when it's like having a it's like having a a straight line and and you know the wall is straight. And so whenever it's straight, you can see when there's a kink in it. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. And we go from (laughs) I mean I don't want to name any names, but I can I'm thinking of one of our members who joined us probably at around 1.9 million and um, on his sales call, he said something like, uh, you know, we said like, what do you want help with? And he said something like, I want to grow this business. I don't give a fuck how we do it or something <laughs> like, that. and, 
um, you know, we, he came into our membership and we installed our systems in his business and he started seeing the reflection of the people around us and, um, came into one of our quarterly meetings and absolutely fell apart. And he started talking about how he was affecting the people around him and how he could see how they were hurt. And he could, and I mean, I'm getting chills on my arm remembering this day. He said, I could see the effect I had on her. And it was the same effect I felt like when I was a kid and people made fun of me. Right. And I was like, there's the empathy. There's the compassion. His business has gone from just under 2 million to the last I heard. We were at 16 and it's been about 28 or 29 months working together. Amazing. So to go from 2 to 16, that's this explosive growth. And the way I look at it is, it, I, you know, Kylie Ryan helped me understand that and, and really see that what our, what our systems do is there are linear growth strategies like launch a funnel, sell more, increase your leads, those types of things. Then there's exponential growth strategies. And exponential growth strategies are like change the energetics of your business, create an emotionally safe container for people, show people a path to evolution through the work you're having them do acknowledge people for how much not only they've grown, but they've impacted the system and the structure and the community you have called a business. And when people do that, there's this exponential growth that happens. And so we often work with companies that experience insane growth. Like behind me is the Inc. 500 awards that Katie and I won. We were bankrupt in 2009 because the, or 2008, um, the foreclosure crisis took us out. Um, we were, we were, we were, independently wealthy and could have retired, but all of our money wasn't, most of our money was in real estate. Mm -hmm. And so that wiped us out completely. We use the same systems and structure that we use today to go from bankruptcy in 2007 to being on the Inc 500 list of the, the fastest growing companies in 2011. And we repeated in 2012 and 13. And so the way that we were able to create that growth out of that disaster was this clear structure, this clear process, but also creating a system where the people within the company grew just as fast as the company. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Alex, why do you do what you do? Um, if you want the real answer, you know, I, I think that the world is in a very challenging place right now. Yeah. I think that there's this, there's this energetic power struggle by these systems that have been historically set up known as governments and there's, if you look at the world today, there is struggle within governments, there's struggle between governments, and the, the people who work within governments are these political actors. And I feel like they are all in this state of trauma, uh, managing most of what they do through their inner child. You can see how, I mean, especially here in the States, you can just watch all the conflict and all the, the challenges. And this is my belief system. I think we've reached the age of the entrepreneur where businesses are now more important than governments. And they are, and, and right now it's hard to argue the opposite. The president of the United States was silenced by private companies. Yeah. That happened. That was real. Whether you agree with it or not, it happened. And I only see this equation going in one direction where businesses are going to be more powerful, more influential, and they will in our lifetimes exceed the power of any government. And so this struggle is going to shift. And I believe that if we put entrepreneurs in a system where they can see the growth of the people around them and compassion and empathy goes up, we're going to have a lot better time in this world with visionaries creating the future than this structure called the government. And so I feel like my mission on this planet is to help the entire world evolve through what we do every day. 
because I think a lot of people look at their job as a necessary evil. Mm -hmm. What if we could increase the percentage of people who look at their job as where they grow and where they succeed and where they create relationships and where they create momentum and where they help the world around them and where they, they show how incredible they are. If we created structures around the world where that is happening every day, I think we raise the energetic vibration of this planet to the point where governments become an afterthought and commerce really drives things. And I know that's scary for some people because capitalism has gotten a really bad rap in the past 20 or 30 years. But the way I look at capitalism is capitalism saved us. Mm-hmm. Fiat currency saved us. Today, I can, I can send you cash or PayPal or Bitcoin or whatever so that you can give me value and that we can have an exchange. I can, I can gain from you and you can gain from me. What is more human than helping each other? Mm-hmm. And so I believe the future is going to be run by this construct and the cat's already out of the bag. There's no pulling it back. And so if this is going to happen, I want our systems in as many companies as possible so that not just the CEO, but all of leadership and everybody within the organization is in an emotionally safe space where they can evolve as a human being, make better and more compassionate, more empathetic decisions, and really evolve the world around us. Yeah. And you see, the thing is, it's so beautiful what you just said, but actually, I think that if there were more company leaders like you, I think that that is actually a real possibility. I think that capitalism has got a bad rap in the past because the companies haven't been run by ethical people. But if we raise, you know, if we raise our internal ethics to match our technology, then, then we really, there isn't, you know, there is, there is nothing that cannot happen. And I think it is scary, but I think that, you know, really the only way we are going to evolve as a species, we're getting very deep here, but is to raise our internal ethics is to take more, you know, accountability to want to grow, to have more joy if for nothing else, for fuck's sake, you know what I mean? Like he who has the most joy wins. Like, is that not the purpose of life is to feel happy and more joyful every single day. But I think if there were more leaders like you, Alex, the world would definitely be um, a much, a much greater place, but it does start with self-awareness and it does start with really, truly taking a good hard look at yourself and giving up your victim status, which I think is very hard for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people get, you know, and for a lot of value. it's giving up the victim status and then, then it's preventing yourself from flipping into perpetrator yeah. because that's, that's, you know, entrepreneurs, that's our pattern. It's we are every, every perpetrator I believe is a visionary who's misunderstood and who doesn't have the communication tools internally or externally to communicate what they really want. And so they get into this place where they, they take it through aggression. And by the way, that's men and women. There's, there's perpetrators on either side. And if you put someone who behaves that, and, and here, this is another thought that I have, a belief. I don't think most people who are perpetrators even know the effect that they're having. And I fully believe that, that the vast majority of them don't want to be doing those things. When you say perpetrator, just, what do you mean? Can you define it? So, so we know we're talking the about the same triangle thing. in the United States. So in the US, we talk about the drama triangle as victim, perpetrator, rescuer. I think overseas you use victim, aggressor, rescuer, maybe. Mm-hmm, is, that, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, that so aggressor, be. perpetrator, same thing. And so I think that most people who show up in that archetype, especially in business, are not trying to show up in that archetype. They just don't know a better way. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think that the more we show visionaries, there is a better way. And there's this, this way that you get very clear, very vivid reflection of your effect on the people around you. That is what really causes evolution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't believe Alex, we've been talking for nearly an hour. We are going to have to wrap it up now, but I tell you <laughs> what I want. I could talk to you. I could, I could talk to you for days. I just love, I'd love to do this again, Kim, if you're open I to would it. Love to. To. I love this. Oh. This should be part one. <laughs> I know, I start part one and start planning part two. I know I didn't even cover half of what I wanted to cover, but I'll tell you what I want you to, um, I know everyone is going to be dying to um, find out where they can connect with you and where they can hear more about you. We will of course link to anything you say in the show notes. So tell my listeners where they can find you, Alex. So I think the best place to start for us is our podcast. We have a podcast called Momentum for the Entrepreneurial Personality Type. And you can go to MomentumPodcast.com. And it is on all the major platforms. And then I wrote a book called The Entrepreneurial Personality Type. And it's about people like you and I, how, why we're different. What are the attributes that make us different? How do you manage our personality type in today's world so that you actually create momentum and success? And you can uh, check that book out if you go to... Um, eptbook.com. So entrepreneurial personality type book.com. And um, I think those are the best two places. The podcast and the book are a great introduction. And then Kim, you had asked earlier about our mem- membership. Mm. And so- Yeah, we uh, never actually got to that. Tell us yeah, about that. Sorry, because I wanted to, to cover men, men and, and empathy. But um, so our, our membership is a, it's an annual membership and we typically work with the CEO and the operator. What makes us unique is that we work with the pair because what we show is the CEO how to step into the passenger seat and the operator how to do all the nuts and bolts of running the company and to have the confidence to do all the nuts and bolts of running the company. And so we show them as a pair how to create the leadership team and the greater team and grow the entire business. And so that membership that we have today is called our Catalyst membership. It's $1,500 a month. Um, everybody who comes into it goes through a sales call. We want to make absolutely certain that you, we talk to you first. Mm. We don't have commissioned salespeople, which makes us really unique. Mm-hmm. Um, about a year and a half ago, I told a bunch of friends of mine, like, I'm not going to use commissioned salespeople anymore. I'm just going to have my coaches sell. Every one of them told me I was crazy and that we would fail. Right. Um, we ended last month with a 49% close rate. Right. Um, our coaches are the only people who sell and they have no sales training. They right. just consult. And yeah, so they're just passionate and they believe uh, in the product. Well, and they, they, have, they haven't been shown how to close. They've been shown how to create transformation. And when people get on our calls, they feel that, they understand that, and then they join our membership. And yeah. they've also been shown how to create massive, penetrating clarity. Like, how do we get somebody so clear that the answer is right there for them? And so we do that on our, on our, even in our sales calls. We get crazy messages back just from the sales process. Like the sales process changed people's lives. And so um, anyone who's interested in checking that out, if you go to our website, you can sign up for a call. You can um, download one of our free reports, see a little bit more of our business. And our website's just my last name. It's sharpen.com. Say the website again. It's C-H-A-R-F as in Frank, E-N.com. Sharpen.com. Very simple, very easy. I don't yeah. know why I didn't know that. but Well, that's... we needed a URL I could remember, Kim, and that one I got. <laughs> yeah, that is fantastic. I love it. And so that's your signature program. Then you have different levels as well for someone who's looking for, for something higher level. We do. So if somebody comes, if everybody comes into that level, and if you'd like to, you can ascend to a higher level where, you know, in the catalyst level, that's really for businesses, usually around high six figures, 
around up to about two or 3 million. And then when your business goes from building out that core team to breaking into departments, we have a higher level program. And then behind that higher level program is the private group that I coach. And so we have businesses up to, in our membership, we have businesses up to over 100 million. And so there's a huge range, but the way we look at it is we bring people into the catalyst program. We graduate them to our accelerator program, help them build out departments and really the infrastructure of the company. And then from there, we help them get to that multiple tens of millions. Mm, that's wonderful. Absolutely amazing. And people are probably listening going, oh, it sounds amazing. Because like, <laughs> it's exactly where um, it's exactly where the, the world is moving right now. People are becoming more entrepreneurial. They're, as we were saying earlier, can't trust governments, you know, and, and stepping into that space. So that's what I find anyway. Definitely people, I've had a lot more people coming to me and asking for advice and asking, you know, for uh, mentors and where I can send them. So it's really good for me to know as well exactly what you do, because I wasn't, I knew kind of roundabout and about the building of the teams, but it was great to have you go into it in more detail. Alex, I know you have a a check-in in in three minutes, so I don't want to keep you any longer, but like, honestly, part one, (laughs) promise me there'll be a part two. This is amazing. Yeah. No, you know, I, I, I haven't, I've recorded a ton of podcasts. I haven't recorded lately, but this one was unique and this is a lot of fun. I, I appreciate the connection. The way that you ask questions is extraordinary, Kim, and you hold an incredible space for someone, for me to be very transparent, very real and, and somewhat vulnerable. And so I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. That is really, really sweet. That is exactly what I aim for in podcasts. So I feel very affirmed. (laughs) No, I do. I just love people. I love listening to people and I really love hearing their stories and their projections and and getting to the root of what makes people tick. That's what, that's what, that's why I do what I do. I love to get underneath what makes people tick. I love to try and figure people out and and, uh, have more of it. But anyway, part two, part two is coming. I promise. (laughs) Alex Charfin, you were absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for being here today. And I will chat with you soon. Kim, this was fantastic. You're an incredible interviewer and I'm so excited for part two. No, thank you so much. Okay, chat soon. Thanks, Alex. Thank you. Oh, tell me you loved Alex as much as I did. I'm not sure if you're listening to this on um, YouTube or whether you're actually listening on the podcast. If you're listening on YouTube, you will have been able to actually see the video interview. But Alex was just an absolute gem. Like I truly loved this conversation. I love having people in the podcast who really are self-aware, who can can really dissect things down to a much deeper level and see the system that underpins life and business and everything that we do and who we are. And I love that he he used the C word, consistency. He was like, if you, you know, whenever you have consistency, and it is true, whenever you have consistency, you can see when things are broken. You can see your effect in the world and you can see how you can affect change, which I know you, my good listeners, are all interested in doing. And I hope that you get a lot of inspiration for how you can have better lives from listening to this podcast, because that really is my ultimate goal in bringing you these episodes every single week. So thank you to Alex for being on the podcast. Thank you to you, my wonderful listeners, for listening. This is Kim Constable over and out. Have a wonderful rest of the week wherever you are. And I will speak to you next week for another episode of the Kim Constable podcast. Big kiss from me to you. Bye for now.